When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the testimony, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. We're getting there. (laughs) Uh, My name is Peter. It's great to be with you uh, and to bring God's word to us this morning. But let's let's get the elephant out of the room. Who got stuck on the being put to death part? Yeah? Okay. Hopefully we turn that around. Hopefully we can uh, see and understand what's going on there. Uh, But before we do that... Uh, please join me as we pray and commit this time to God that we might understand what he's saying. Uh, Lord God, we come now to you uh, to hear from you, to hear from your word, to hear from your spirit. We ask that I would diminish in the sight of your people and instead that you would increase, that we might see what is good what is right, and what blessing you have given to us in the Sabbath. And so we commit this now to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure some of you, if not most of you, understand the hecticness of life. Uh, Whether you're inundated with work or chasing after kids, trying to get them on time because we sent a message saying we were starting the service on time, life can be hectic, can't it? Um, The last few weeks for me have been fairly crazy and, and yet at the same time in the hecticness there's a mundaneness, there's an averageness to life as well, isn't there? And there's nothing wrong with that, it's just life. But there is a restlessness, I don't know about you, there's a a restlessness in our world. There's a restlessness in people. Uh, And as Christians, we're invited to step out of that restlessness. We're invited to step out of the hectic nature of life and find rest. And so the question is, where do you find rest? Where do you find refreshment? Where do you find peace? Because our world is restless. It's hard to go out into our world and, and not feel rushed by everything. And Brisbane more so over the last decade has just becoming more rushed. Life is becoming more rushed. Where do you go then to find rest. Now, don't let the seriousness of the death penalty and the excommunication distract you from the blessing that is here in the Sabbath. Don't let that take away from the goodness, and I hope that we'll see that as we unpack this further. But you notice at the very end of this chapter, as as Sarah read for us, This is the final thing that God gives to Moses on the mountain. 
For the last few chapters, God has been meeting with Moses. He's been speaking, giving him commandments, instructions, details about what it means for the people of Israel to be his people, to be holy, to be his chosen people. And this is the final detail before he leaves the mountain. This is the last thing, and it's about the Sabbath. But also we have to remember what what underlies all of this is their salvation. Right, right from the beginning of Exodus, this is a story of salvation. God's people in slavery, in Egypt, saved, freed to go to the promised land that God has provided for his people. And he has saved them, he has chosen them. What for? We heard last week to be a holy people, a holy priesthood that would serve God as his And so here, immediately, we see that God says, this will be a sign between you and me for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. What do we mean, though, when we talk about holiness? What, What ideas do you get? Do you get this spiritual, mystical idea of something that's untouchable, unreachable, that you can't connect with? Because that's not really what... That, that's a small part of it. See, holiness, and if you've been with us for a while, we've gone through Leviticus and we've talked about, to be holy is to be set apart, to be different, to have purpose. And so the Sabbath is not special in some mysterious way. It's special because it's been set apart. It's holy because God has made it holy. He's set it apart from all the other days. It's different from all the other days. And here when he says that he makes his people holy, they are to be different. Israel, the chosen people of God, are to be different They're to be set apart from all the other nations, not because they're special themselves, but because God has done that. And so they have a purpose to be holy, to be different, to be set apart. And the same too applies to us as Christians. In Jesus, we are saved. We are saved from slavery to sin. And in doing so, we are made holy. We are chosen and we are precious to him so that we might be a holy priesthood. That we might be set apart, that we might be different, that we might stand out. Not because we're special, not because we somehow have some privilege in the world. That's not what it's about. It's simply because God has chosen to show his grace. And not so that we somehow become more special, but so then we can be his priests, his people who go and bless others. And so the first thing about the Sabbath is that it is a sign that God makes people holy. That he makes them different so that they might stand out. And more and more, this will be something that sets people apart. Because the idea of a weekend is being lost. 
Now, it might not be, in some cases, people are working more on the weekend. So it's no longer a weekend, it's just another weekday to work. But also, what people do with the weekend is changing. It's becoming a lot more self-focused. I'm going to go do this for me because I have time now. And we're going to come back to that point a little bit later. But for the, for, for the people of Israel, for, for Christians today, the idea that we have a day that is different from every other day is something that is meant to be noticeably different. That is something that is meant to mark God's people. But we've seen the standout feature of what we've read is that this is a serious day to God. This is a serious matter. God is the one who makes us holy, but the day itself is also to be holy to us. Right? The chosen people of Israel, the holy people of Israel, are to take this holiness, this identity seriously. That's the whole thing around this. It's Because, see, again, it's not just a personal issue. This is a national issue. This is to apply to the whole people. It's not just, oh, I feel like taking a day off. No, this is a national issue for Israel, such that it would be deserving of excommunication, exile, or death. There's a seriousness to that, because it's meant to set them apart. They are meant to be different as a people, as a nation. When I was um, at school, uh, most of us would catch the train. Uh, it was a city school. Uh, it was um, most of us got the train to school. The train station was about five minutes away. And before and after school, we would have a teacher checking our uniforms. I don't know about your schools. My school took that pretty seriously. It was a big name school, and so they checked that kids coming and leaving school had their uniform up to code. And see, this is the, de- the, the issue with holiness. It is, it is a uniform that God's people wear to show that we belong to God. But there's the other side, and if you follow through the story of the Exodus, there's another part to this. Remember, the Israelites have been saved from slavery. Slavery of seven of constant work with no rest for generations. And here God says, You have finally been freed. Why would you go back? And so there's a seriousness to that as well. It's like, what did I save you for? I saved you to be free from slavery so that you might be different. That you might have freedom. Right? This is not, the seriousness of this is not meant to be a burden. It's meant to remind them, it's like, I have freed you from slavery. Why do you want to go back to that? And so the seriousness of this is to to be a reminder. This is the cost of your freedom. I paid a price in freeing you. Keep this day holy. 
Keep this day separate. Keep this day from desecration. But also, if you remember, there's another moment where this is played out earlier, and this sets the foundation also for this idea of Sabbath. When the Israelites are in the wilderness, they've left Egypt, they have, they're, they're running out of supplies, and so they complain. They grumble. We have no food. We're going to die. But what does God do? He provides them with food. He provides them with quail, with manna. But he gives them very specific instructions, if you remember. For six days, collect mana. Each day I will provide everything that you need. Collect it for six days. But on the seventh day, don't collect any. On the sixth day, I will give you a double portion so you have enough for two days. And so there's the seriousness of their slavery, but there's also then the gift of his provision. The Sabbath is a reminder that God provides. Collect for six days, work for six days, but on the seventh, rest. Do no work because I will provide. And so while for us in this day and age, because of what Jesus has done for us, that penalty of the Sabbath no longer applies. We're not going to get put to death. We're not going to be exiled if we don't keep this idea of Sabbath. But there's a principle here that I think we need to take hold of. Right? In, in many, well, I was going to say in many parts of the world, even in our own world, as I said before, this idea of weekend is being lost. This idea of having a day to rest is being lost. And even for all the talk of self-care and self-help and all that sort of thing, this idea of rest is very individualistic. Because something we have here is very different. It's, it's shared. But Jesus invites us to rest. He invites us to rest in him. Not to worry about what you will eat, what you will wear. But he invites us to rest. Do not worry, Jesus says. And this is what the Sabbath is about. It's about not just a physical rest. It's not just getting more sleep or getting good sleep. That's not what this is about. This is a rest from work. A rest from worldly pursuits. It's a rest from needing to earn your place in the world. It's a rest from needing to provide from your family or the stress of providing for your family. It's a rest from the striving to accomplish something, to to earn something, to, to find something. The Sabbath is an invitation to trust that God provides all that we need. Whether it's finances, whether it's material, whether it's your future and your security, whether it's a parent stressing about your child, their well-being, their future, their provisions, whether it's whatever it is, the Sabbath is an invitation to rest from these worldly strivings, from this work that we do. And Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What does he mean by that? 
This isn't a religious, spiritual thing. This is God's gift. This is God's blessing that we might find rest. Ultimately, it's remembering that God is God. And you're not. It's a reminder that you are human and there's nothing wrong with that. And particularly, I think I can say here, where we have such a high level of work ethic, whether that's something that's been instilled in us by our parents or our culture, the Sabbath is an invitation to say, that's enough. I can rest. I have worked hard enough. I can rest. I can stop. I can be refreshed. And that's God's promise to us. That as we come and trust him with a Sabbath of whatever kind that might be, that he will give us rest. But here's what I want us to understand. This underlies the temptation in the Garden of Eden. Because if you recall the story, if you don't know the story, God has provided everything in the garden for humanity. He has provided everything for Adam and Eve, and he says, you can eat from whatever tree you like, just not that tree. And the serpent comes along, and he says to Eve, is that really what God says, that, you, that if you eat and touch that, that you will die? He's like, no. God knows that if you eat of that tree, you will be like God. You will be like God. And the temptation and the temptation around the Sabbath is surely I can I can manage, I'll push through, I'll be okay, I can do this, I can be like God. I don't need a break, I don't need a rest. But we all know that's not true. But there's one last thing I want to point out about the Sabbath. We pick this up in verse 16. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, and hear this, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. The Sabbath is a celebration. I don't know what kind of attitude or what kind of mental state you're in when you're thinking about a celebration or a party that you're going to, that you want to go to. What? what? What emotions, what thoughts, what feelings stir up? This is something to be celebrated. It's Yes, there's a religious, spiritual part to all of this, but this is a celebration. A sign, again, we've said, again, God says this is a sign, but it's slightly different this time. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Just pause and think about that for a moment. God, creator of the universe, all-powerful, having made everything, in no need of rest, he is all-sustaining, all 
He, he, he doesn't need rest. This is, he's not an energizer bunny that's going to eventually run out. It might run for a long time, but it's not going to run out. God does not need rest. But he, it says both in Genesis, says here, and it says all through Scripture, God rested. God rested. Not only did he rest, but he was refreshed. God doesn't need to rest. He doesn't need to be refreshed. And yet he does. Why does God do that? Well, if we desire to be like God, if we want to believe that lie, even a little bit, you want to be like God. If God chooses to rest, if God chooses to be refreshed, how, how much greater must you be that you would be, that you don't need to rest? God chooses to rest. He sets an example for his people. He doesn't just say, I have set this day apart to be holy. He says, no, I will show you by resting myself. I will bless this day and I will make it holy and I will rest on this day. And so the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, he rests on this day. He shows us. He's not a slave driver. He's not like Pharaoh and his slave masters. He gives rest and he invites rest. And do you see there that there is grace? This is not a command of do this because I said so. No, this is a this is a gift. I'm inviting you to do this, to live this way, so that you might be blessed, that you might find rest, that you might find refreshment, that you might find peace. And this is what the Sabbath is all about. And as we've seen here, it starts with God making his people holy. He has saved them. He has set them apart to be different. He has made them holy. And that plays out in how they live. It plays out in the seven-day week. It plays out in the 24-7, Monday to Sunday, or Sunday to Saturday, depending on how your week works. But it is to be different. They are meant to stand out. Because it is a mark of their holiness. Not because they're special, but because God is. Because God is holy, his people are to reflect that. And that's not to me... It, it, it's not this religious thing that God wants his people to do. It's a blessing. It's a gift, an invitation to celebrate and rest and be refreshed. I want to dig deeper before we end into this question of what is work. Because I think we can start drawing lines and making excuses and going, oh, that's not work. But I want to try and cement that a little bit. I want to look at Matthew 12 really quickly. It's on the screen, uh, but Matthew 12. Uh, what's going on here, Jesus uh, is with his disciples. It's a Sabbath day, uh, and his disciples are hungry. And so they go through, they're going through a field, and they, 
I don't know if you swipe your hands along the fence when you're walking past sometimes, but they're going through a wheat field and they grab some grains and they eat it. The Pharisees, the Jewish uh, religious elite, they see this and they say to Jesus, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And we see here the Pharisees have developed their own ideas around work and what the Sabbath means and how it should be practiced. But Jesus says this in response to them. Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath uh, on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. So there's two things I want to point out here. First, we have these Pharisees who have developed this legalistic idea of how God's law is applied. Do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, and everything will be okay. So it's a, it's a checklist. And they have this idea around work and what it means to work on the Sabbath. And so even the idea that you would pick a few grains of wheat and eat it, that, that's work. But that's not how Jesus sees it. Because Jesus gives examples from their history where the King David and his companions, they go into a uh, sanctuary and they eat the holy bread that they're not meant to eat, and yet they're innocent. And likewise, he puts an interesting twist on the priests. The priests work on the Sabbath, and yet they are innocent. What's Jesus getting at? What's this idea of work? I've hinted at it before. It's when you start taking the place of God. It's when you start striving to earn, whether it's material, whether it's social, whether it's emotional even, this idea that somehow you contribute to yourself, to your family, to your world. So the idea of work is you accomplishing something. And there's nothing wrong with that. God doesn't condemn work. He says work for six days. So there's something good and right about it. You go to the Garden of Eden, we are called to work. So there's nothing wrong with work. Don't hear that. But God says, you've done your part. Now let me do mine. Stop striving for a day. Stop pursuing worldly things for a day. Stop worrying for a day. Stop. Just stop for one day and let me be God. And so as, as tempted as we might be to start going, well, what's work? What, what, what applies? Picking grains off wheat is not work. Flicking on the switch is not work. Lighting a candle is not work. People have developed strange ideas around what work is because on one part, they're trying to honor this. They're trying to honor the seriousness of the Sabbath. But the heart of the Sabbath is rest, that God is God, that you no longer need to strive. Actually, you never need to strive. 
because you are invited to rest in Jesus, which means this is why it's not about just getting a good night's sleep. It's also not just having the exercise of coming to church each Sunday. Because you can come to church each Sunday, but actually not choose to rest. You can come and be busy with all the things that need to be done and lose sight that actually God is here and he invites us to rest. Now, what does that mean for us practically on a Sunday? Well, let me start by saying this. This is not a day of work for me. Why? Because I have done the work in the week to come and rest in what God has done and simply share that with you. Just as the priest goes into the temple on a Sabbath day to offer sacrifices and is innocent, it's, that is ministry. Ministry is not a striving to perform. It's not a striving to deliver something. Ministry is a place of rest. And this applies to all of us, not just for me. To minister to someone is to know that you rest in God, that you can rest in Christ and what he has done for you and bless others out of that. Ministry becomes hard, and and I know this, I struggle with this, but ministry becomes hard when we start depending on on ourselves to offer something to other people. Serving other people becomes hard when it's like, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. I... That's not what we're invited to in ministry. To serve other people, to, to minister to other people is to be able to come before God and go, God, you have provided everything. You have done everything that is needed. And I may not have the wisdom, I may not have the capacity, I may not have the resources, but you do. So in this moment, as I seek to minister to people, as I seek to serve them, help me rest in you. And see, that's what Jesus means when he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. That means work. Take my yoke upon you, for it is light and easy. So the Sabbath is not about this legalistic idea of do this, do that. No, it's an invitation to rest. It's an invitation to experience the mercy of God and then share that with others. And that's what sets the Sabbath idea apart from simply having a day off. You have a day off, that's for you. That's for you to take the physical time or mental time that you need to to do that. But the Sabbath is an invitation to rest in God. That's not the same thing. They are two different things. Because you can have a day off and not have a Sabbath. The Sabbath is an invitation to trust in God's providence and His promise. That's what we're invited into. The Sabbath for the Israelites was a reminder that they have been saved from slavery and that they are free and that they can rest in what God has done and what he will continue to do. Yes, it's a serious business, but it's serious because of what God has done. And likewise, it is a reminder that God sets the example. 
He sets the example of rest. And if he can rest, so can his people. And that applies just as much to us. As those who have come to Jesus, we are free. We are freed from sin. We are free from the pursuits of this world. Not that we stop pursuing them. We can, we can pursue excellence. We can work. We can do all of that. We can work hard at those things. But it's with the freedom and the peace that actually God gives us space to rest in Him. It's also an opportunity in these moments to bring our cares, to bring our worries, to bring all of these things to Him. And it's a day, if today is your Sabbath, to bring all of that to God and go, God, you are God. I have strived, I have worked, I have done everything to better myself, to provide for my family, to be a good employee, to be a good child. I have done all of that, but there's, it, it's, it's hard, God. Let me rest today. Let me entrust that to you. And ultimately, we see that in Jesus. Part of going to the cross, that saving us from sin, is to bring us into Sabbath rest. To bring us into a place where we can be refreshed. And so that's why we gather. We gather to celebrate that to celebrate what God has done. He has saved us from sin. He has freed us from the pursuit of work. And he invites us to rest in him. And as we do that, we are then to be a holy people that are to be a blessing to others. It's not something we keep to ourselves. It is something that we are meant to then share. It's a gift we have been given the gift of rest, of Sabbath, so that we might be a blessing to others. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. And whatever fills our hearts and our minds, we ask that we might bring them to you. And we know that we are so easily distracted that our hearts are so easily taken away by the cares of this world. And yet you invite us to rest. And you have accomplished that most clearly in the Lord Jesus, who not only saves us from our slavery, but invites us to rest in him. Help us to understand how this might apply to us. Help us think through the things that we work for, and help us to surrender them to you, to find a place in our week that we might Sabbath, that we might rest and truly be refreshed in you. And help us in that place of rest to then minister to one another, reminding one another of the rest that you have given us, trusting that you are God and you will provide all that is needed each and every day. And so we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.